for a lot of people, it's hard to have the conversations. It's easier to write it down. Does talking about your money make you cringe? Are you tired of fighting about finances? Do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness? Then you are in the right place. Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is a wealth psychology expert who is doing what she does best, speaking about taboo topics. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. Over the past decade, she has empowered thousands of people to break money silence at home and at work. Now, here is Kathleen. This podcast was brought to you by Oak Maple Finance. At Oak Maple, our fiduciary, heart-centered approach means letting go of one plan fits all advice. Our process is simple. You talk, we listen. You get financial guidance customized to your specific needs because we know that life is better when your financial plan fits you. Visit our website at oakmaple.com. Today, my guest is Susan She is the founder and principal of Personal Legacy Advisors. I have known Susan probably for over 10 years now, and she is really a wealth of information when it comes to legacy and legacy conversations. Uh, She's a professional writer, speaker, and workshop facilitator. She's the author of the book, The Wealth of Your Life, a step-by-step guide for creating your ethical will. And she also co-wrote a book called Across Generations, a five-step guide for creating an expression of donor intent. She has designed these legacy cards. They're called life legacy cards and life legacy conversation tools. And I love this particular tool that she has to help us actually break money silence in our families and talk about legacy. Um, She brings a fresh take on the meaning and dimensions of legacy. Uh, I know she gives dynamic presentations. She has great materials. She works with advisors and clients. So welcome, uh, Susan, to the Breaking Money Silence podcast. Thank you so much for that gracious introduction, Kathleen. (laughs) Anytime. It's nice to have this conversation in this (laughs) setting with you. And I know today we're talking about identifying your philanthropic why. So let's jump right in. Tell us a little bit about what makes identifying your why such an important part of philanthropic giving. Well, when a person gives a gift, no matter what the size of the gift, that decision, that gift is just the tip of an iceberg. And it just gives just a hint of a whole lot that's underneath that gift. There's a wealth of values and experiences and convictions and effort and work, whether that's conscious or unconscious behind that decision. The money itself has an amazing and interesting story. Where did that money come from? What's the source of that money? So there's a lot behind the gift and the decision to give the gift. As I said, no matter what it is, if it's a a small one-time gift um, or whether it's the establishment of a family foundation, no matter the size of the philanthropic action, And that's just really interesting information. And that information, I think, should be known and should be shared, um, especially by someone who is hoping that their philanthropy is going to serve as an example to other people. 
namely people that are, you know, in their circles, or if this information would be helpful for an institution that's managing the money. Um, for instance, uh, anytime that, that, that someone else is going to be taking over the philanthropy, uh, whether that's uh, a staff member in a, you know, foundation or in a, for a donor advised fund, that kind of information shouldn't be held just in the mind of the giver, in my opinion. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I think is so important and we've highlighted in this series is the idea that philanthropy can be for anyone, that it doesn't have to be, which we often think of philanthropy, we think of like, you know, Melinda Gates. It doesn't have to be somebody who's uber wealthy. It could be a one-time gift. It could be a small gift. It could be a larger gift that it, you really work and help people uh, across uh, socioeconomic statuses, which I think is important for us to put out there. Um, and the other piece is you're talking about money stories. And I do some work on money stories and mm-hmm. our money does have a story. And and mm-hmm. what do you think the ramifications are if somebody's passing on wealth, whether it's small or large, and they don't share that money story? I, I think it's a loss. I, I just think that that's a loss, you know, um, for both personal and practical reasons, mostly for personal reasons that that kind of information that, especially within a family, you know, that kind of information, first of all, as I said, it's just really interesting. It also ties generations together, kind of that common story, that common background. And I think that when, and this is one of the things that really drives me in my own work when I'm helping people think about what they want to document um, and actually put down in writing, which is a large focus of the work that I do. I think when that information isn't shared, it's, it's instantly lost. (laughs) And I oftentimes ask people, you know, are there, is there, are there questions that you wish you could ask somebody who's no longer here? And everyone has examples of that. People that they wish that they had, that they, it occurred to them that they had asked certain questions of. And so I think that this just, it's just a tragedy when those money stories are not, are not known. And it also can provide some sort of clarification also for people um, who are maybe, you know, not only just curious, but perhaps have some of their own struggles with money to kind of understand how other people who've come before them have dealt with some of these things. I just think that that is from human to human, just really important. Yeah. Recently, I just worked on a consulting engagement, and we talked about passing on not just the money, but passing on the wisdom. And I think you're talking about money stories, passing on the wisdom. And, you know, there's an opportunity to put your gift in context. And I think that's part of what you're talking about. So if I'm out there and I'm listening in and I'm thinking, okay, that doesn't sound so bad. I could have that type of money conversation, or at least think about having that type of money conversation. What are the questions that someone should be asking themselves to help them get to their why if it's not evident? One of the questions that I like to pose to people when they're thinking about legacy or they're thinking about philanthropy, the sort of decisions around philanthropy is, this is a, this is a question that kind of gets at purpose. But the question is, it's quite simple, but quite profound. The question is, what do you have? What do you possess that you want to give, that you have to give? in the largest sense of the word, what do you have to give? And what do you want others, this is a related question, what do you want others to ultimately be receiving from you? Also in the largest sense of the word, and to think about this both during your life and then when you're no longer here. Yeah, 
I'm lost in thought thinking about my answers. <laughs> yeah. So, so if you think about philanthropy, this is another way of looking at the purpose of philanthropy. What do you want that money very specifically? What do you want other people to be receiving from you through your money? And then the story behind that, why you believe that's really important and, and why you want people to receive those things from you or why you think that's important to put out there in the world. That's a, that's a story worth telling. And that can really help people get at their why. So when you think about someone who's donating a gift, let's, let's just say someone is writing a check to the Museum of Fine Arts. What do they specifically, what are they really hoping that that gift is going to do specifically? What do they want other people to receive from them through their money? So is it beauty? Is it experience? Uh, what is it that they're actually hope that they're giving? So that's just another way I think of kind of looking at purpose, which really gets at the question of why. And there's a story behind that. Yeah, go for it. Well, I was going to say there's a story for anyone who gives any kind of a gift, there's a story behind that. And so perhaps that person had been taken to the Museum of Fine Arts by their grandmother when they were young and it inspired them. And that's a story that would be really fun for somebody else to know. And this is a very small example, but that question is of what you want other people to receive from you, ultimately through your money, through your time, because there's a lot more that people have to give besides their money when it comes to to philanthropy, people give their gifts of money, but they also give their gifts of time. Um, and so the stories behind that, I think, help a person focus. And also, I think that that should be communicated. Yeah. And, and as you're talking and, and uh, giving us an example, I'm thinking about my husband and myself and uh, gifts that we gave, uh, obviously still alive, while well, we're still alive, to our uh, niece and nephews around education. And our reasons are why is I was fortunate enough to get a college education paid for, and I realize that isn't always the case. So I feel very fortunate. My husband really had to fight for his education. So we just wanted to pass on that gift, that, that ease. So that's kind of our why. And so I think it's really important in a bigger sense and, and to really think about that why. But once you get your why, so once I now know, okay, education is my why, I really value it. I think it's important. I know it's not cheap. And I want my niece and nephew to have every advantage they possibly could have. Once you have that why, what's the next step? Well, my question is, have you written that down and told that? Is there a record of your thinking for your niece and nephew? We gave gifts and very specifically said it was for education and they, and we discussed it, but I, I don't know if it's written anywhere. Um, they have either used it or not used it. <laughs> so that's mm -hmm. a great idea for my husband and I to put that in writing. I think so. This is what I advocate that people do because it's a beautiful thing to affirm your values and also to give them clarity uh, about your thinking and information that they might not know about you. They may not know about the difference with the roots that you took to this decision and the experiences that lay behind it. And that's just interesting. And it just, as I said, it ties generations together in a way that, that otherwise might be less enduring. So 
I think to be able to document those things is really just another dimension to the gift that you're giving them. And I think that you should do that. Yeah, no, I think that's a great idea. And you're right. I don't think they know the necessarily overtly know the differences in our educational journey uh, and why it's so important for us or why we decided to gift in that way as opposed to take them on an expensive vacation or something. So that is a great, a great tip for me personally. For families that don't or don't know how to break money silence or maybe have difficulty having these types of conversations, I know writing it down is important. What do you think or how do you help uh, families or individuals kind of talk about these things? Uh, I am fortunate, given that I wrote a book about breaking money silence and with my nieces and my two nephews, I'm pretty open and honest about uh, finance, but I'm wondering for people that don't have that experience, how do you start this conversation? I'm not really an expertise. I don't have expertise in really helping people have these conversations specifically. And so I don't want to weigh into something that I haven't had a lot of experience in because my experience is really helping people to think through what they want to write down. Okay. Because so, yeah. for a lot of people, for a lot of people, it's hard to have the conversations. It's easier to write it down. Well, it's, it, it's interesting that you say that because you're a writer and I'm a writer. And so I think for us, it's easier to write down. <laughs> um, yeah. I do know, like I'm, again, just going to use my husband as a guinea pig today. I know he is not a writer. He is much more verbal. So maybe thinking through starting the conversation for him may or may not be easier. I don't want to speak for him. But if you're not a writer, how do you help someone kind of write this stuff down and capture it? Because that is, that is a skill and a gift that you have. So tell us a little bit about that process. Yeah. Okay. And I will say that um, that the process of writing, I recognize that not everyone feels as though that's sort of their natural mode of communication. My The point that I was making was that sometimes it's harder to express people, certain, there's certain things that are awkward to sort of face, say, face-to-face, especially things that are of a little bit more of an intimate yes. nature. And so for some people, for a lot of people, that feels sort of safer to be able to have the intermediary paper that then they can then write things down and then choose later on to have a conversation if they want to. But for people who are not natural writers, what I do, and this is how I work with people largely, is to be able to talk through things that are then recorded. Uh, I always record all the conversations that I have with people so that they can sort of see what they said. And then they have something to go on in order to um, then put something down, formally put something down in writing. So for some people, it is easier to be able, and you can do this yourself, to just pull out your phone and start talking through some of the things that you might like to say, and then have a transcript made, then you have something to go on. So technology really can help you there. Right. What, What is interesting, Susan, though, is what you're providing is a safe place and uh, a way in which you structure the questions to get to people's why and to help them record that, whether it's through conversation with you, whether that's, you know, putting it in writing. And, and so in some ways, you are breaking money silence all the time, even though you feel like you don't have an expertise in it, because you are helping people engage and think about these conversations and document them. So once somebody has it in writing, is that something that you put in with your legal documents or is that something that you, you know, hand to 
a beneficiary or the next generation? How does the actual information, I guess is my question, get passed on? Well, it's very important if you do something like this that people know where to find it. And so what I suggest is that it, there be a note attached uh, or some kind of evidence in the, in the, you know, with the actual formal legal documents that says that this is either here in the file or this is where you can find it. Uh, so it's very important that people know that it would be terrible if you created something like this and then it just sat on your computer and nobody ever saw it. Right. Yeah. Um, so, but yes, it should be, it should essentially be attached to all the legal documents or there be a note uh, indicating where it can be found. I suggest oftentimes that people share these uh, documents when they're alive. I mean, I, because they have the potential to then reinforce the example that you're trying to, to live out and also have open the opportunity for a conversation. So a letter like this, a document like this is, is, is kind of a monologue, but there's such a rich possibility of turning it into a dialogue if you choose to share it while you're alive. And the thing that I just came to my mind, and I hadn't thought about this before, and I don't know whether people have done this, but if you're somebody who you know, the writing, and I get what you're saying from a psychological standpoint, it can be safer to put something down and pass that thing, that letter, that, you know, whatever it is to somebody else, there's some emotional safety in that. For a family that has trouble talking about things, it may even be that you share it while you're alive and you give the other person or people options to either let's sit down and have a talk about it or you could write me back. I feel like it could be, you know, how we used to write in the old, olden days before me. In the olden like, days. Yeah. Love letters. Um, it's almost like you could start it that way if it was a safer way uh, to engage. Um, but yeah, I think sharing it while you're alive allows people to then not be wondering all these questions or why or what was the purpose or why wasn't I given this um, when somebody does pass on. It's so easy to put off. So yeah, it's very easy to put off. And I also want to say there's a couple other sort of circumstances where this is really vital to do. So the sort of the, the, the kind of nice to have for the version of this, and then a kind that one that would be really vital to you to say. And I, I, I read an excerpt now here from one where a woman writes, I want you to understand why I created this charitable remainder unit trust. It seemed the best way to both maintain my financial security and make a significant gift to cancer research in honor of my mother. It would sadden me greatly if somehow you felt I was creating the trust because I valued charity more than you. Please remember that love can't and shouldn't be measured by money or the size of your inheritance. Wow, that's so, powerful. Yeah, so you see what she's doing here is that she, she, and this was something that she, you could say this across the kitchen table. But you, she's created something very enduring here that's very clear. So she is reinforcing her own convictions about the purpose of the gift, which is in support of cancer research because of obviously her experiences with her mother, which is a story unto itself. And then she really wants to make it clear that um, that this is not related, that they, that they shouldn't take offense, that they're not getting as much money as they might. And that her values about money. And that part, let me... Yeah, let me jump in real quick. That part I think is really key because in the work that I do, uh, coaching next gen, often there's so many questions, whether the person is alive or deceased, and so many assumptions, like they fill in the gaps as opposed to knowing that. So to have that in writing and to be able to look at it in writing 
um, and remind yourself that you were just as important as charity. It's just, this is why she decided to do it is so valuable. Um, it's really valuable. So that that's kind of what I'm getting at that there are that, you know, where it's important, there's a lot of places where it's really important to document. And whereas you say, if it's not clear, then people fill in a story, uh, oftentimes a story that feels hurtful when in this case, it would be no, no need for that to be hurtful at all. So, and then another example I wanted to read, this is another thing that I think people should kind of keep in mind because I think this is so cool. This woman writes, I want you to know what, something about my father in whose name I set up this scholarship. So, you know, lots of people like to set up scholarships and those there's a whole universe of reasons behind why they want to do that. And if that's not told and the scholarship recipient just gets a check, that is such a lost opportunity to share a whole richness behind that, you know, the establishment of the scholarship. And in this case, this woman really wanted to tell every recipient and every recipient was going to get this letter from her about her father um, and about what she admired about her father and the experience of her father. And this was a scholarship for people who were going to go to business school. And uh, he was a real inspiration to her and he wanted to, them to know something about him and use his example maybe to help inspire them in their own journeys. So this doesn't even occur to a lot of people that they could do this, create a really very personal connection with you know, the recipients of their generosity. So that's another very specific reason why to put something in writing is so, so powerful. Well, I'm so glad you shared some of those excerpts because I think that really brings it to life, the power of these documents. And I'm so glad you work with people uh, to create these documents and to get to their why and then think about how they can share that why uh, with the people that are important in their life and share that personal legacy. Um, time goes really fast on the podcast, so uh, we're going to need to wind down. And I, I'm wondering, it's a big question, so, but if you could leave the audience with one tip around, say, specifically women in philanthropy, because that's the series that we're, we're uh, currently engaged in, what would it be and why? I think I would go back to that, to the point that I made earlier, sort of the profound question of what is it that you possess that you can give, you know, in the largest sense of the word. And I, th I just think that it's a beautiful question that really gets you thinking about how you're spending not only your time, but your money and how your money can really reinforce the kind of gifts that you want to be giving that are both tangible and intangible. Mm, love that. And you've certainly got me thinking today, Susan. So I appreciate that, as does my family. My husband uh, is in for a little conversation about a personal legacy later, whether he likes it or not. So tell me and tell the listeners how people can find out more about your work and your firm and certainly where they can buy your books. The name of my website is Personal Legacy Advisors, and you can find all information, all that kind of information about my work and my materials on that website. And I invite you to look at it. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for breaking money silence with me and having this very engaging conversation. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Kathleen. This podcast was brought to you by Oak Maple Finance. At Oak Maple, our fiduciary, heart-centered approach means letting go of one plan fits all advice. Our process is simple. You talk, we listen. You get financial guidance customized to your specific needs because we know that life is better when your financial plan fits you. Visit our website at oakmaple.com. 
Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave a review. Also, share this episode with your friends and family. It is a great way to get the conversation started. For more money talk tips and information, or to hire Kathleen to speak at your next event, go to www.breakingmoneysilence.com.